Hello and welcome to the Industry Leaders Podcast, where we talk to the leaders of some of the most exciting retail and direct brands and learn the real stories behind their success, their challenges and their plans for the future. I'm Sarah Coboyle and this podcast is brought to you by More2, the marketing science people. My guest this week is CEO of Seasalt Cornwall, Paul Hayes. Now, Paul has been CEO of Seasalt for just over eight years, during which time he's led the brand's digital transformation and delivered really amazing, reliable growth. Isn't Paul, like there's so much I want to get into about the brand and about Cornwall and about you know, what, what you've done with the business. But before we crack on into that, it's great to have you here. And how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. And good. thank you for uh, having me along to join in. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's our pleasure, absolutely. You know, to kind of start at the very top, you've been at Seasalt, like I said, for a good few years. What was it about the brand that really made you want to, to join it at the very beginning? There's a few things, I guess. Um, so some of it actually dates back whoa, probably around 20 years or so, um, where I first came across the, 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 the family, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I knew knew all three brothers actually, and 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 their father when he was he was alive. Um, and I guess build a relationship with Neil in particular. And it goes back to well, one 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 building a good relationship, but two a healthy respect in terms of some of the ideas they had around business. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess I'll share share the interest in in brands in particular. And I guess if you then fast forward a number of years and the opportunity coming up to, to discuss joining, I guess for me, it, it was very much about what a great creative business, but with a very clear brand identi- identity and um, and I guess that genuine ability and ambition to grow. So I guess those are the sort of key, key ingredients for me. Mm-hmm. And what were the big goals that you had in mind when you joined? You know, what were the things you kind of wanted to get your teeth into? Well, the first the first couple of years, I, I, I joined initially as sales director, and that was really to work on our sales channels and and getting them, I guess, that a bit better aligned, sort of greater consistency of experience, really, for for the customer across the channels. And then, really, it became very much about building a team that were going to be capable to, of delivering. The, uh, the success we, uh, we we were after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, delivering for the customer across the different channels and things like that, what is it about Seasalt, do you think, that really resonates with your customer? Why are they a Seasalt customer and not someone else's customer? Uh, well, for a start, we, 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 we've got a clear identity as a brand and there's a, there's a, there's a lot of integrity in that brand. Um, in, I guess, you know, we, we're very much about building quality products at, a, at, a, at an affordable price, but we don't promote very often. We, we focus very much on, on our full price sales, um, mm-hmm. which I guess in turn helps build that integrity because it means you're not seeing distressed product popping up here, there and everywhere. Um, so, so, so that's key really in terms of brand and product. And I guess our obsession has always been around the customer and our communities and, and how we create better engagement with those customers. So, you know, it's not, it's not just about selling them clothes. Um, it's about shared interests and shared values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, you know, that, that kind of really comes across really strongly on the website, particularly in things like the Seasalt stories and the, yeah. the Seasalt friends and all those kind of things. And one, one question I had for you is, I love how you use so many local suppliers, you know, particularly for things like the, the, the bath products and different things like that. Why did you first decide to branch out into using those suppliers and how have the customers re- responded to that? Yeah, it's, I mean, 
as, as we know, on the clothing side, it's always more challenging. Of you yeah, know, we uh, we obviously uh, manufacture elsewhere. We're all where that where that uh, where that's concerned. But yeah, I think where we can, we we like to work with local suppliers. It builds depth to our story and our commitment to Cornwall, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether whether it's about sourcing what product we can, uh, as you say, particularly around home home homeware. Um, it, it's also about working with modern creatives and other business people in in the county and, and helping to develop their stories, um, which again creates greater depth to ours, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And did you have any connection to Cornwall before you got involved with Cornwall? <laughs> I suppose you, don't, you my... don't sound like you're from Cornwall. No, no, I'm not. No, I mean, I, I suppose my connection is very similar to many others in that uh, I've holidayed here on mm-hmm. you know right from being being a kid to. Uh, you know, as a family these days. So yeah, up, up until living here, sort of, uh, which uh, which started just over eight years ago. Um, yeah, we probably came down every year right. um, for, for for some time or another. Mm, so it wasn't so much of a leap for you to to make the full time move. No, and I, and and I mean, I, I you know, I am I am from the West Country, so it's not as if I've moved <laughs> <laughs> miles and miles. You know, it's only yeah. it's only two and a half hours down the down the motorway mm. and down the A30. So yeah, not a huge journey for me. Good, that's good. And and so can, I suppose one thing I'm I'm interested about sea salt is, you know, like you like you said, you you or you mentioned the the brothers, the Chadwick brothers. Um it is a brand that's been going for forty years. It has such a strong heritage, it has that brand. Um but one thing I think you've managed very, very well is the digital transformation. Could you tell me you know, how what has it been like being inside a heritage brand making that transformation? What were the challenges? Well, for a start, I think I think it's a fantastic opportunity to be inside the heritage brand. You know, yeah. you've you, you've got so much rich content around you um, and depth to your story for, for for starters. And and I and I think whether it's online or offline, it, it it's about maintaining that consistency and building the best experience you can um, mm-hmm. for, for for your customers. So, I mean, the, the digital transformation for us. We thankfully we, we we actually started that um, ahead of uh, COVID um, yeah. hitting last year. So, whereas I know a number of other businesses have had to you know, adapt even faster, thankfully we we were already starting to to change things. So we brought new new facility in um, that enabled our stores to fulfil online orders, for instance, um, which I have to say has been an absolute godsend in the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we're already on a pathway to launch a brand new international website. The UK website uh, went went live a couple of months ago. So I guess every step of the way, you know, it was about making making the right choices of investment from a digital point of view and making sure they tied back to, mm-hmm. to everything we stand for as a brand. But mm-hmm. um, but of course, you know, at the same time, it's it's certainly set us in good stead for uh, coming through the last eighteen months or so. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness, like you said. And and how have digital channels changed the way you've engaged with your customers if they have changed? Well, I guess you know, I mean, we're still a business who's got seventy stores, so we we we, we were primarily in the UK. There's, only, there's one in Ireland, the rest are all in the UK. So so I guess you know you. Up until that point, you're very reliant on those localized areas. Yeah. Whereas what what the, the the online does for you is is it casts your net far further. So you know we we now have obviously a nationwide business, but we we also have branched out internationally. We we we, we send orders to I think it's well over 150 countries now, 
worldwide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's sort of enabled us to grow. Whilst we're primarily still very much a, a UK brand, we, we, we are we are developing internationally. And I don't think we, we could have done that really without without online. Mm. And what has the international expansion been like? Because I'm sure I'm sure Sea Salt is a brand that sells very well abroad, or people would like it. You know, there's that kind of British identity that people will connect with. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we have we have wholesale activity in 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 certain countries, and I think for us, it's just been sort of trying to figure out, okay, where you know, you can only you can only do so much, and it's making sure that you you we we get a bit more focused about those countries that uh, we we want to develop further. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're looking we're looking at the US at the moment. Um, we've, uh, in fact, I think it was last week going into this week, we've just sent our first batch of catalogs out to hundred thousand homes. Oh, wow. Um, so we're, we're waiting to see obviously how, how that lands. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been doing some work around influencers and PR, which is, which we've just got started and we'd actually gone into the Northeast, um, of, of the US from a wholesale perspective. So you know, there's a few things that we've got that we're working on to develop that market in particular. In New Zealand, I think back in October, we, we, we opened our first shopping shop with a long-term partner. We've got out there, Ballantines in Christchurch, which is going well. And I guess coming closer to home, we, we've been doing work in Ireland for some time. So we opened our first store in Clonakilty. Um, I've been there. Of, yeah, oh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of years ago now. So yeah, yeah and that's been fantastic. I mean, clearly, yeah. you know, that was the year before COVID really hit. So um, you know, it got off to a really good start. So we hope hope to open more in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have Belfast in the north, and we, we we're also working with our partners at MS on a couple of locations as well. So, and and we launched the Irish website, which. Uh, Joining joining those things together has obviously taught us a number of things as well. So you know, a model that we're we're looking to replicate if we can. Okay, what kind of things has it taught you? Um, well, I think I think what it what it has done is again going back to your question earlier on about what does online do. I mean, it it, it has grown our uh, our customer base across across the uh, the island as opposed to just around that store. So mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot of movement um, around around the country of Ireland. But whether they buy online or offline, um, you know, it's proving successful for us. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, um, and so I, I think one thing that you know, when you look at kind of the, the big successful brands of the British high street in particular, you know, Sea Salt is, is one that I think will come to mind. What key elements do you think Sea Salt gets right that maybe other brands overlook a little bit? Um. Well, I think one of the crucial ones, and 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 I guess uh, you know these last couple of years when everybody's been tested uh, to, to their limits at times, um, I, I I think we have a very healthy um, balance uh, between the sort of more emotional side of our relationship with with our customers, you know, that building of empathy mm-hmm. alongside understanding the data. You know, and I think probably some businesses are very data driven. I mean, we know some very significant businesses that are very data driven, but I think we're pretty good at a balance of both. Mm-hmm. You know, our story last year was one of changing our marketing plan completely in in March. You know, just before we all left the offices, we we, we got together as a team and just ripped up what we had planned for the year um, and focused very very much on on ensuring we we were engaging with our customers rather than just selling stuff and. You know, I did see a number of brands just continuing to pump out their 
their advertising around product that they would have been doing anyway for, mm-hmm. for quite a lot of last year, which, you know, I, I felt probably was less relevant. Yeah, yeah. You know, empathy, I think it's an interesting word and it does get lost a little bit, I think, in, in marketing in particular, because, yeah, there is a big focus on understanding who the customer is and, and you know, what they want. But I think you're right in saying that that emotional engagement maybe isn't there all the time. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, you know, and I suppose the other side of that is, I mentioned it earlier, we, from a product perspective, and when we, you know, I've got a great, great team that focus on delivering great product time and time again, but, you know, we, we also focus on trying to sell, you know, as much of that at full price. So therefore it retains its value, you know, mm. and we're not, we're not building up big piles of distressed stock that, you know, then has to be distributed somewhere as well. So I think that's another sort of key, key part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where do you think sea salt is going to go or where do you hope sea salt is going to go in the next, say, three to five years? <laughs> um, well, we have a business plan that says we, we'd, we'd like to double the business. Okay. <laughs> uh, in size. So, you know, and that I think we, we understand, you know, we've still got a fair way to go in the UK um, mm-hmm. with uh, women that already buy into the brand. I think we've also got the international opportunity that we, we, we spoke of earlier. And then we are, I mean, we've had a small collection of menswear for a little while now that um, I guess we've, we've seen very much as a, a gifting element. Um, but we are we are looking at what we do with menswear in the next sort of year or so. Right, um, okay. See that as an additional opportunity for us. We're certainly we're certainly being asked for it enough anyway. Good, <laughs> that's a good that's a good sign. And is is that where you personally are investing a lot of your time and energy, or are you more on the operation side or the team management? Where, where do you? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean I mentioned earlier on about building a team. Uh, you know, we have built a team. We've got a great management team. Um, mm-hmm. Eight of us in total. Um, but we've also done a little work on development of, of people um, in senior positions within the business. Um, so we've got other areas of responsibility and accountability now, I suppose, you know, which mm-hmm. has been great. That's been, been a big piece of work that we've been doing. But, you know, over over this last couple of years in particular, it's, it's, it's been focusing on um, the digital side of the business and, and making sure, I mean, we... Digital now accounts for about fifty six percent of sales, so you know right. that's you know, okay. it's a pretty substantial move on. I guess the other area, you know, we're, we're working with uh, John Lewis. That's uh, not the, not the business, but John Lewis in our business, <laughs> uh, very much on supply chain logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's got to be the backbone of what you do. Um, so we've we've got quite a bit going on there, and we've been looking at our sourcing structure and where we manufacture product. So we've been very focused on that as well. And I guess one of the other, I mean, we talk about digital transformation, but one of the other things certainly in the last few months that um, I've been very focused on is making sure that we don't forget what we already had. So just making sure that you know, our processes that were in place are still in place and still working properly. You know, not, not, not everything always goes to plan. And I think where remote working has taken an effect sometimes is is, is perhaps you know inducting new people into the business and um, not always sort of following processes that we had previously. So funny enough, I've been revisiting a fair bit of that lately as well. Right. Okay. And just to jump back before we, there, there's a lot there that I want to talk about, but just <laughs> to, to jump back a little bit. So you said that digital is is fifty six percent of 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 your sales at the moment. Where do you see the role of the store going for Seasalt? Do you think that the storefront will still be a big part of the business or how will it change? Yeah, I mean, it's, st- it's still a, a fundamental part 
of, of our business. I mean, I think the role of the store has changed. It was already changing pre, pre-COVID. I mean, I mentioned the new technology we introduced to the business, and I, I think our teams have been fantastic in embracing that. Mm-hmm. I think the they understand um, their role is changing. You know, there's different services that they're offering. I mean, we put together private appointments and things like that in the, in the last sort of couple of years. We're also looking at how we bring customer service elements in, into the stalls. We've, we've got a network of stalls that have got additional space that is not optimised. So, you know, that's a, another area that, that we're looking at. But I think above all else, it is it is where you can create your best experience. I mean, customers mm-hmm. still love that sort of physical side of retail. And whilst I know we, you know we have COVID challenges right now, you know, our customers have always loved visiting our stalls. And I, I, and I think... One of those reasons, actually, is the fantastic people we have working in them, yeah. the relationships that they they build with those customers as well. So, you know, it is it, it, it's a fundamental part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, so to talk a little bit about the team, you know, how how do you, like you said, onboarding people remotely has come brings on its own challenges and things like that. What kind of things are you thinking of trying to improve that process, or what are you hearing from your team? Well, I think I th- one of the areas where I, I guess you could argue we got lucky mm-hmm. uh, was we actually went live with a uh, brand new in- intranet just as COVID hit last year. Right. So, so I think what that has enabled us to do is have fantastic communication across the business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously when when we when we had our teams furloughed last year, we were able to keep communication going. Everybody was aware of what we were doing how the business was developing. So so that's key. And I think, you know, we, we, we'll continue to evolve our, uh, our, our culture and I guess our values, which I think we're excellent with the customer. And I think there's more work we can do internally uh, to, to, to make that clear, particularly for those employees that um, sort of joined in the last, last two years, really. And I guess one of the things we're conscious of is that, you know, remote working has been great for many reasons, but but, but also there are some challenges with it. So I do see us coming up with a blended way of working going forward, which does include a bit more sort of physical contact again um, when it's safe to do so. Right. And do you think your staff are, I mean, obviously it's a generalisation, but do you think people are keen to get back into that kind of 50-50 office versus home? Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think we've yeah. got some definitely are. You know, they, they, yeah. they want to be with their colleagues on a, on a you know, far more often on a more regular basis. There are others that have thrived through not coming in. And I guess some mm-hmm. of it, you know, we've got to work out what, what's the common thread for the business. You know, where, where do we need people working together physically? I mean, of course, you know, when it comes to creativity, one of the things we did, we, we protected our offices in Farmworth in particular and kept that available to our product team. So actually they were able to work together on a more regular basis. Right. And so, and I think, I think that physical thing of being in, a, in the, in the same room is probably very important to the creative side of things in particular. Yeah, it's hard to have a brainstorm over teams, really, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> doesn't <Yes>. really work. <laughs> no. So, it, it's, I mean, from what you've said, you know, even briefly, like it sounds like you, you've, you've achieved a huge amount even in the last two years. What are you most proud of having achieved since let's say since March 2020, uh, I, I I think well <laughs> well you could argue um, sort of early on last year very proud of the fact that we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, But but having having got through that, I think I think very proud of how the teams really pulled together. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I think pe- people worked extremely hard last last year. They have done again this year in making sure that the business continued to to thrive. So, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm particularly proud of that. And I think what I've seen is, you know, a number of people have really grown within mm. within that time, and 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 have probably, you know, seen seen their roles grow um, as a as a result of that. And I, and I guess you know another part you know in 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 the main we've we've continued to create jobs. I mean where it was sort of dark for a little bit dark for all of us last at certain points last year. You know this year we've we've, we've created a lot of jobs both down here in Cornwall and elsewhere in the UK. Hmm. You must be one of the biggest employers in Cornwall. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 most certainly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and if you could give some advice to to another direct to consumer CEO, not to put you under pressure or anything, but if you could come up with a snappy two line piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would say protect your brand at all costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of these may maybe uh, cliches to a certain extent, <laughs> I guess, but uh, you know, it's about delivering great product. But I'll go back to creating that engagement with the customers. Really, it's it's so vital that you create that emotional bond with the customer as well so you get the long longevity in the relationship I mean that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing you know our, our record levels of acquisition last year have also you know led to really good retention as well yeah yeah have you noticed at all that you're say a customer who's recruited during the pandemic period have you noticed that they behave any differently to someone recruited prior to covid or not well our life the, the lifetime value has always been strong with ourselves i suppose you know one of the concerns we had last year was you know we sold an awful lot of face masks <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know you, you you sort of question okay right so you know, we had customers coming for face masks will they continue to buy yeah. other things and and the, and the beauty is yes you know the answer to that is yes they've Good. stuck with us <laughs> and they've brought they've bought into other areas of the business you know we've seen dresses bounce back hugely this year you know mm-hmm. whereas obviously it was a tough year last year so yeah, I, I think overall, you know, they've got a taste of the brand and they've, they've stuck with us. Mm-hmm. And looking forward then, as a business, how do you make sure that you're in the right position in, in six months' time, you know, for their, for those customers? Well, I mean, if, 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 if I look at us right now, it's continued investment on the digital side, so new, mm-hmm. new technology. We've, we've got work to do around our, our returns procedures. So some of the processes I mentioned earlier on, you know, we've, we've, we've got some work to do on that side. Um, we've, we've got to make sure um, that our logistics side of the business and supply chain are there to, to underpin the sort of growth that we're talking about. So we're doing mm-hmm. doing a lot of work around that at the moment. We've just invested in some more warehouse space down here in Cornwall, um, okay. which hopefully will be up and running for sort of February, March mm-hmm. next year. Um, so it'll help underpin that growth. But, you know, above all else, it's just making sure we continue to maintain those relationships with the customers, um, you know, deliver upon the, the international growth that we're looking at over the next sort of three to four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, we, we, we still believe we've got a long way to go in the UK yet as well. Great. Um, one, one thing, actually, I meant to ask you this earlier, but when you're taking over control of a business from a founder or from a founding family. Could yeah. you tell me a little bit about what that was like and how you kind of managed that transition? Yeah, so so um, obviously coming into the business, um, we, we, we had sort of joint MDs in, in um, Neil and Lee. 
Um, and as I mentioned, you know, for the first couple of years, I was, I was, I was working um, uh, primarily around the customer and, and the sales channels. But I, but I guess we, we, we actually worked it in a certain way in that I became joint managing director with Lee for a period mm-hmm. of time. Um, and then it's the last sort of five, six years moved into solely the, the, the CEO. And I guess for me, it was, it was about making sure I understood the business and respected what the family had built um, and spent the right amount of time in understanding what we needed to do mm. in order to, I guess, replace the two of them over time in terms of, because they, they were excellent at how they split themselves in terms of Neil more creative and looking at um, sort of back office procedures and the, and, the, and the sales channels at a certain point in time. So, you know, we had to look at how, how we brought a team together that had shared values, but could equally enhance the knowledge and skills and that's, I guess that's that's what we've done really over that period you know we, we, we have a fully functioning management team now that run the business and have been running the business for us over two three years um, mm-hmm. you know obviously I rely heavily upon those the, the, those individuals as well yeah for sure and and how how do you think that management team can help the CEO to do their job better what is it that 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 they do that helps you to be a better CEO um well I think well, funny, if I turn that around slightly, it's actually about me getting out of their way. Okay. <laughs> so um, I think I think it's for me to remain very clear about what our overall objectives are and make sure that we're, we're, on, we're on track. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, for me not to get in their way as they're executing what, what they do. You know, I mean, Laura, who's our... Uh, our chief creative, I guess, in the in, in, in the business, you know, is fantastic at what she does. And I'm I'm not about to tell her what to do from a product <laughs> perspective. No. Um, and the same with Amy, who joined in in uh, in August last year, um, you know, as CMO on the brand side. So um, you know, another um, uh, a great CFO as well. Um, uh, and we work very well together. So um, yeah, I, I I think it's allowing them to flourish and and and. Uh, do their roles in, in in the way that they wish to. Okay, okay, that that's that good advice. Listen, Paul, and um, just before we we wrap up, um, I kind of have a couple of last questions. Um, I know that you're a big reader, and uh, <laughs> when I can, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, like I said earlier, the, the sea salt stories. For anyone who hasn't uh, seen them, anyone who's listening who hasn't seen them, I highly recommend going taking a look. You can learn. Lots of things from gardening tips to wild swimming spots in Cornwall. It's, yeah, um, it's great escapism if you if you have five minutes. But what what are you reading at the moment? Uh, I'm I'm actually reading um, Richard o- Richard Osman's new. Oh, are you? <laughs> yes. Is that the the murder yeah. club? Is it? Yeah. 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 So I've just literally just started it. So, okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't read that one yet, but uh, no, I read the first one and thoroughly enjoyed that. So okay. uh, yeah, I'm reading good. the second one. And uh, I saw you're a fan of William Boyd, so I just I'm, yes, I'm a huge friend. fan of William Boyd. Yes. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, um, Paul, I really enjoyed that chat, and I think anyone listening will also have learned a lot. But particularly, I think, like you said, you know, about being in a heritage brand during transformation and managing that kind of transformation. So, thank you very, very much. That was great. My pleasure. Thank you. That was Paul Hayes, CEO of Cecil Cornwall. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Industry Leaders Podcast. And don't forget that you can catch up on all our previous episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you usually get your podcasts. That's it from me for now. We'll be back again next week. But until then, take care and bye-bye.